I'm excited about this series uh, on the authority of the believer. I believe this is week 11, and we've talked about a lot of things. Aren't you thankful? You know, God made man to be free, and so many people in this world are not free. You know, we live in a free country, and it will remain that way, right? And, uh, and so we've grown up in freedom, and sometimes you could take that for granted, but you know, there's many people that live in this wonderful free country that are not free, that are bound, you know, because the enemy, he crosses all borders. Just because you live in a free country doesn't mean you're free, right? Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you know you're free. Now you are, but you might not know it, right? So this is why we teach these things. Do you know you are a part of something supernatural? You know, you, God plants you in a church, a local church. We're part of the greater church, the greater body of Christ in the earth, and it's supernatural. Everything about it is supernatural. Today, the Lord will speak through me as a vessel, but he'll speak directly to you. Supernatural words that are to produce supernatural results in your life. Now, many times as Christians, we look for things that are spectacular. Now, boy, I'll tell you, God does spectacular things, but even when you get a word from him, that's, that's spectacular. But never seek the spectacular and miss the supernatural. Everything about you is supernatural, right? Everything about him is supernatural, all the plans that he has for you are completely supernatural. So we have to know some things to grow in the Lord. And you know, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 19. You know, this is where Jesus sent out the 70. And I love this scripture because it gives us a real picture of, of how the authority is. And Jesus, I love the way he starts this out. He, he's talking to his disciples and he's like, behold. Whenever you see behold in the Bible, you need to, like, he's like, God is going, I need you to see this, right? And this is what he says, I've given you delegated authority. That's what that word authority means. Delegated authority to tread. That Greek word again means to have absolute mastery over what serpents and scorpions this would be this is talking about the satanic hierarchy principalities powers rulers of the darkness of this world spiritual wickedness in high places demonic powers right we are to have absolute mastery over them our authority, as we've said before, that was given to us. See, Satan, every demon, every principality, every power, all of this satanic hierarchy has been completely stripped. They have zero authority over you. Zero. If you live your life submitted to the Lord, which is submitted to his word, and you resist Satan with the word of God, he will flee as in terror because he has no authority. 
All he's always trying to do is throw thoughts. He will use circumstances. He will use people. He'll use things that, you know, started. He started, he starts to try to get little kids thinking wrong, right? For you parents, man, stay very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will tell you when the enemy is lying to your kids. And if you hear something come out of their mouth that's not right, stop everything and go no. Right? Because we don't want detrimental thought processes to take root and then they grow, then we grow into adults and we have this detrimental thought process like I don't deserve or I'm not worthy or nothing ever works out for me or I'm stupid and or you know I just made this mistake in my life and my whole life is over now it's set no all that is lies it's all lies right so satan will try to lure you he entices you he throws thoughts in your mind to try to penetrate through your mind so he could play mind games with you. So now you start to see things as they seem, but not as they really are. See, people, you could start living according to facts, but as you look in the Word of God, many times the facts were not true. Or I should say it this way, the facts were not truth. If the facts, the doctor may show you an MRI of a tumor or of a cancer cell or of arthritis or of, you know, whatever, that's, that's a fact. But the truth is that God sent his word and healed you. And the truth will always change facts. So we have been given delegated authority over, to have complete mastery over all of the satanic hierarchy that comes against us. And then if that wasn't enough, he makes it real clear. And over all, this word power means ability. And over all the ability of the enemy. You know who that is? Your enemy is one person. It's never a person, a human being. It is Satan. And you've been given delegated authority over how much? All of the ability of Satan. All of it. So we said this over the weeks. Our authority is not to fight Satan. Right? You might get in a fight, but don't become a fighter. Because the battle's already won. You, you exercise your authority to enforce the victory that you already have. Now that, that looks crazy at times because you could be standing there with sickness hurting your physical body. You could be in pain, you could feel weak and all this and the reality of the situation is you are the healed. And this sickness and that disease has no power, has no ability and has no authority to take you out. You are the one with the authority. Boy, we got to renew our minds to this. 
But see, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, and we're going to get start talking a lot about it because we have to. It's really, you can't see that. You can't get a revelation of that unless you understand that you're not robed, you're not robed in righteousness. You are righteous. Well, what do you mean righteous? You are, you not, you've not been clothed in it. You have been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. That's why you stand and he has to leave. And when you get in a battle, I don't care if it's a financial battle, lack has to leave. Oh, don't. Don't look at your job as your source because you'll shoot way low. You know, it doesn't matter what the economy does. It doesn't matter what inflation does. God is our provider. Don't don't let your current financial situation tell you that I'll never be able to own a house. Because God says you're to own houses. Because you need one to live in, maybe one to go vacation in once in a while. But you need some other houses to help some new believers out while they're learning to trust the Lord. You know? You You need more than one car. Because, you know, I mean, have you ever ran into people that, gosh, you're just looking at it going, I mean, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking of a few people right now that I would love to just throw the keys to a new car to them. Because it would, it, would lo- it would really bless them. Right? And so, how do we get there? Now, now I'm telling you, you've got to renew your mind to this. You know, could you imagine giving away a house? You know, you know, actually, see, everything that's on your path, and this is the thing with authority, you have ultimate authority over your own life. Satan attacks you. Storm comes in your neighborhood. It can't come to your, your house, right? Something attacks your, your personal life. You have ultimate authority. You have ultimate authority in your life. You have limited authority in others' lives and in situations. So how do you walk that out? You literally walk it out by being led by the Spirit of God. The 70 kind of discovered some parameters. Could you imagine? They saw Jesus casting out devils. They heard the 12 that he sent out were casting out devils and everything, but Jesus never told them that he, I'm giving you authority to do that. He just said, go preach the kingdom and heal the sick. And they came back because what they did is when they went out, I could just see a couple of them were in a city. And all of a sudden there was, there was you know, some demons manifesting or something going on. And all of a sudden down on the inside, they're just going, you know what? We're not putting up with that. You come out of him in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, boom. And they're like, whoa, that's really cool. They, they learned some things as the Lord led them. You know, our, our pastor in California, he, he said this years ago. You know, there were, there were freeway shootings in Southern California, and it was getting to the point where people were very afraid because it was just random. And he was praying one day, and the Lord goes, so when are you going to do something about that? 
you know, he's pastor in this little church. I think they were in a school at the time, you know. And, and he's like, well, what do you mean? What, what, what am I going to do about it? He goes, when are you going to? He goes, I've sent you here. When are you, you going to do something about that? And so he felt prompted. He didn't start yelling and screaming because volume's not power. See, when you know you've won, you don't need that. You're totally going to say what God prompts you to say or do what God prompts you to do. Right? I mean, I'd love to get up here and just be as dynamic as a Steve Furtick or a Bill Winston. I mean, these guys could even sing. You know, I, that's crazy. And sometimes I, I sit there and I go, man, that'd be so cool. But you know what? I'm Tony. I'm not Bill Winston. And I'm not Steve Furtick. And that's okay. Right? But, but I can tell you this. The Holy Spirit will be there to lead you and guide you on what to say, what to do. When you're believing God for healing, do I take the medicine or do I not? If you're asking that question, please take the medicine, right? But, but do this, take it in faith, and don't think taking medicine means you're not in faith. You're led by the Spirit of God. We are Christians. We are not led by the outside. There's nothing about the outside. The Bible says if I, if I am mindful of the things on the outside, if I'm paying attention to natural things, it only produces death in my life. And yet many Christians spend their whole life looking at things on the outside. Do you know when you look at natural things, do you know where the focus starts to get? It starts to get on you. And we don't do well when we look at us. When it becomes all about Tony, that's a nightmare. But oh, when I'm always looking on the inside, when my eyes are fixed on Jesus, because he's the author, he's the finisher, he's the initiator, he's the developer of my faith. When my eyes are fixed on him, I'm like a tree planted by rivers of water. Everything, all of my substance and strength and provision Everything comes from the inside. So now I'm walking by faith because I'm at rest. I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to find my path. No, no, I'm making a path. I'll make my way prosperous. Why? Well, I'm just walking with the Holy Spirit. This is, this is talking about authority, but you have to know that you've been made righteous. So let's talk about this some more today. Let's go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. On this 4th of July where we celebrate freedom. Isn't freedom awesome? You know, we've got a little bit of a taste of control. You know, there's just something inside of you. I'll just say this. There's something inside of me. When I walk and I see little circles on the ground that tell me to stay six feet away from people. And yet God has called me to reach people. There's just something in me that doesn't like that. There's something in me when, when I'm told I have to cover my nose and my mouth. I just, I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I'm free. I was free born. Right? But remember, I live... I live with my eyes on him. 
So if you have a relative or a friend who just has completely different political values than you, what does that have to do with you loving them? You're not to walk out their salvation, are you? Right? What, what does that have to do if you run into somebody that, man, you're, you're going to a gas station and you see somebody get out of a car alone that has a mask on and had it on with their windows up? You know, you, you just kind of want to shake your head and just go, that's ridiculous. But you don't do that to people because you don't know where they're at. Right? So what did Jesus do when he was on this earth? He met everybody where they were, and then he lifted them up to where he was. So this is talking about authority, because guys, the world needs the church. The Bible says the whole of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. I I love that. So Romans chapter 5, verse 17 It says, for if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's offense in the Garden of Eden, when he chose to disobey God's word. Remember, we said this about authority. You'll never be able to yield or to, you'll never be able to have authority over something or someone or over a situation that you are yielding to. You have to be careful what you hear where you're at, your associations, because when you're hearing wrong things, you are, in effect, yielding your authority to that or to that person. See, Satan got Adam and Eve to yield their authority, and it was transferred to him. Now, thank God Jesus got it back. But it says here, for if by one man's offense, death reigned death reigned so when adam and eve sinned they violated the word of god the bible says that sin entered the earth realm and then death came in and now from that point forward death had full and superior dominion that's what this word reign means it reigned by the one by adam But then it says this, much more, and this phrase in the Greek means so much more that you cannot even compare it. And remember we said this about authority. You have to know this, that what Satan did in the earth to mankind through Adam and Eve is nothing compared to what God did through his son Jesus in the redemptive work. There is no comparison. It's not like I'm a little bit above Satan. He's stripped and I have been given all authority in the name of Jesus. And now I have angels at my disposal. We'll talk about that because the Bible says a lot about that. You know, the Bible says things like, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Bummer. Keep reading. But, that word but, man, all of a sudden. Say, Pastor Hagen preached a sermon one time and he said, you know, when you're talking and you say, but it just erases everything you just talked about. Oh, I love you. And I understand, but, but this pastor Tony is just, man, he's awesome, but no, you just erase pastor Tony's awesome. Right? So I love that many are the afflictions of the righteous, 
But, okay, it's as if that's erased. Why? Because the Lord, he delivers us out of them all. The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who what? Reverence, honor, and respect God above everything else in their life. And he's encamped round about us to deliver us. Always. There's angels at our disposal. Jesus is watching over his word to perform it. The angels of God, they hearken unto the word of God. How many times has there been an angel standing right in the middle of your situation, looking at you, waiting, watching these demonic powers having their way in your life and just like, and they're looking at this big angel going, man, he can't do anything because that person's saying the wrong thing. But when you speak the word of God out of your mouth, they go to work. They hearken to the word of God. For if by one man's offense death reigned, much more they which receive. This means they which lay hold of and act upon. They which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. The Amplified Classic Version says this, they will reign as kings in life. And this word life is not just natural life, it's zoe life. You will have full and superior dominion in your life as you walk and operate in the zoe life of God as you've laid hold you've laid hold of and you continue in the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness wow the gift of righteousness i love that you'll reign in life you'll have full and superior dominion as you walk in the zoe life of god it gives you that's the place of full and superior dominion Nothing touches you there. I love that. In other words, just like in the book of Genesis, God placed you and I on this earth to reign. We are to reign. We are to change our city. We're to change our county. Right? When righteousness reigns, the people rejoice. We're to reign in this nation, in this world. The world needs us to do that, right? We are to reign, though, not in our strength. Remember, this is in his strength. Why? We've already won. We already have the victory. Isn't it amazing that every battle that you'll fight in the short period of time that you're on the earth is already won? It's already done. And it's already yours. You're unaccusable. Your inheritance is reserved in heaven. It's undefilable. You can't mess it up. Right? And it's yours. Hallelujah. So a revelation of you being the righteousness of God in Christ, it will enable you to reign in Zoe life. You have to have a revelation of your righteousness. The Bible says this, that we are to awaken to righteousness. Right? We're to wake up to it. And I believe we're waking up. What does God want? 
God wants the world to see him through us. That, that's, we are to walk in the love of God. We are to walk by the strength of God, by the faith of God. We're to literally be led by the spirit of God to do exploits, things beyond our natural ability because man was not created to do things alone. They were, man was created to do everything with God. So God has made us righteous. And righteousness is not conduct. Okay? Because we get caught up in this behavior thing. Righteousness is not conduct. That's holiness. That flows out of righteousness, but that's not righteous. The only reason why you can walk free from sin and walk where sin has no dominion over you is because you've been made righteous. People are trying to get their life cleaned up so that they could be righteous. We have pulpits teaching series on righteousness, but what they're really talking about is holiness, and it messes everybody up because they're like, oh, I just keep messing up. Right? But we're going to get this right. Literally think of it this way. Righteousness is the very life and nature of God himself. You have been made the righteousness of God. You've been given life, his life. Righteousness, it gives you, as E.W. Kenyon so penned years ago, righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of, of the holy God of the universe who is your dad without any sense of guilt or inferiority, no shame, to stand as if sin has never existed because guess what? In your life, now you're going to have to renew your mind to this, but it's the word of God. I could preach for two years on this. Every Sunday, sin is gone out of your life. All of your sin was once and for all condemned in the body of Jesus. It's, it's been broken over you. The power of sin's been broken. You are a righteous child of God. Righteousness, and we're talking about this on Wednesday night, righteousness identifies you with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's why you walk as he walked. Once you become aware that you've made, been made the righteousness of God in Christ, now you will begin to reign in Zoe life as a king and everything changes. Now, of course God is your number one priority in your life. Of course you seek him with all of your heart. Why? Because it's so fresh and everything about that relationship drips with the fact that, man, I was lost. I was dead. And then Jesus came and paid the price. And he took my spiritual death and he gave me spiritual life. And I'm a new creature in Christ now. The old has passed away. Now everything is new. Everything is new. Every moment of every day of my life. Oh, I might not feel whole, but I am whole right? 
I might feel like I'm in fear, but I don't have a spirit of fear. There's things that we've got to get. So now you're in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Jump back down to verse 12. It says it again, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, that all have sinned. In other words, everyone sinned in Adam. We were born in sin. I love what it says here, and it says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and then it says, And death by sin. Death. What is death? Death is separation from God, which is life. Death. See, nobody, when we think of death, don't think of it as they cease to exist. There's no human being that's ever ceased to exist. Everyone who's ever lived is still alive. They're either, they're either on the planet like us, or if they didn't bow to the Lordship of Christ, they're in the planet, spiritually dead forever, or they're in heaven. But everyone is still alive. When a Christian dies and their spirit separates from their body, that's going to be the most exhilarating feeling you've ever felt in your life, to get rid of this flesh. And then God, God this, I love this, then he's going to run his glory over the flesh that you have. Doesn't matter if it, who knows where it is, what it is, right? If you lived 3,000 years ago, God's going to bring all of it back together. But this new version without sin is going to be really nice. It's not subject to sickness and disease. First thing we're all going to say to each other is, wow, you look good. Right? Examples of death would be sickness, disease, despair, depression, anxiety, poverty, lack. These are all expressions of death that you and I have been redeemed from. We've been bought out of that stuff. It has no legal right in our life anymore. So now go right back, because we want to read what led up to this. Go to chapter 4 of Romans in verse 25. Talking about Jesus, it says this, who was delivered for our offenses. He was crucified for my offense. Wow. And he was raised again, what? For my justification. Because he was raised, I was declared righteous. If you read this in the literal Greek, it would read like this. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised when we were justified. When was I justified? <laughs> A.D. 30 or A.D. 32, back in April, way before I was ever even born. Figure that out, Mr. Intellectual, right? I love this. The Greek, it, this word also means to, to be declared righteous. 
So that thought is leading up. Remember, this is a letter. So you go from verse 25, you go right into chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, therefore what? Because of chapter 4, verse 25. Because he was delivered for my offense and he was raised when I was justified, therefore being justified. It's a little vague in English. In the Greek it would read like this. Therefore, having been justified. Let's go a little deeper into this word justified. It not only means declared righteous. It literally means acquitted. It means set free. It means that I was rendered just and I was rendered innocent. Man, that's amazing. If you're acquitted, that means you go before a judge and it's as if you didn't do anything. Therefore, having been justified by faith, that's how we were justified. Not by works, by faith. We simply believed what God said. I love that. Now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many believers have read this and still think that God is mad at them? But no, you have peace with God. Now we do have a lot of believers that are in the ditch on the other side. They sit there with their chest out in church because I'm all that. And they just take it totally for granted. But oh, when you walk with him, you don't take anything for granted. You know that I am who I am by the grace of God. Everything that I am is because of him. And I love that. That's the way we were created. I love that. So don't think God's mad at you. I love that. Hallelujah. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by whom or by Christ also we have access by faith into this grace, the finished work of Christ. Now, not only do I have peace with God, but I have access... I have been given the key, it's faith, to access all the grace of God. That's healing, that's peace, that's soundness of mind, that's prosperity. I have access into all of it, not by how much money I make, I have the key. I have access by faith into this grace Therein, or wherein, what this means is this is what causes me to stand and rejoice in the expectation and future hope that I will see the glory of God. As a matter of fact, as I peer into him, the word of God says, I am changed into his image from glory to glory. I live in this. I stand. I'm rejoicing because my future is this. What is my future? You're going to see the glory of God just coming out of my life all over. Oh, many will be my afflictions. 
Oh man, the storms are coming, but that's okay. In every storm, I'm going to stand and rejoice. I'm not going to run from the storm because I know the storm literally is going to have no effect on me because I've already been redeemed from it and you're going to see the glory of God. Do you know how how few people in the United States of America are accepting Christ? Why? They're not seeing the glory of God. They're either seeing a bunch of self-centered word of faith Christians who all they want to do is be blessed and get some better clothes and a better house. Or they're seeing a bunch of, you know, we've got other denominations and different, different types of Christians. They're either self-centered or they're judgmental or they're just, they, they come to church and they're just beat up. They're just living in the past. They don't know who they are. And the world is confused. It's like, what are you doing on the 4th of July in church? You need to be, you need to do a nice round of golf. It's nice out. You know, we got this window in Nebraska. Man, you need to be on the lake. You need to be going places and and, uh, in church. And then especially you crazy faith family church people who come 6.30 in the morning on a Tuesday for a men's Bible study. And then what do you mean Wednesday night church? What, What do you mean? You actually, you mean to tell me you actually open this and read it when you're not in church? Wow, freaks, that just makes no sense. But no, when they start to see you rejoicing, standing. Do you know know the world's watching you? And when they see you face something bigger than you, and they see you stand and rejoice, and they're like, man, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. What do you mean you're doing great? Oh, no, no, I I already know the end of this. You're going to see God's glory. He always causes me to triumph. He always gives me the victory. I cannot be defeated and I'll never quit. I don't have any problems like R.W. Schambach would said. All I need is faith in God. Because he's already provided for me everything. He's already given me everything. This is how we live as Christians. This is how you stand And time, it tests faith, but it doesn't test somebody in faith. You stand because I'm rejoicing. I'm standing and rejoicing. My body will change. My finances will change. Satan, you have no authority. I have all authority. I am not the sick trying to get healed. I am the healed, so sickness has to leave. I'm not the poor trying to get my needs met. Nope, I'm prosperous. All my needs are met. So now, everything in my life has to bow to that, who I am in Christ. It's a different thing. It's not this religious thing where, man, if you just do do good enough and do this, then you come to Christ and you just grow into where he can give you more and more and more. No, no, no. When you come to Christ just as you are, you're instantly given everything. And then God says, okay, now follow me and I'll guide you and help you walk in all of it. Every battle you face will not be yours anymore. I've already won it. You don't have to toil. My blessing will make you 
into a, give you a full and overflowing supply, but there's no toil with it. This is what we're talking about. Hallelujah. So let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Hallelujah. Let's just take a real brief look at Adam and Eve when they fell. And I want you to see it in this context. They fell from righteousness. Okay? Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. In the Hebrew language it says, In dying you shall die. Adam died the day that he ate it. The moment he ate that fruit, he died spiritually. It took the curse of sin and death over 900 years to kill his body. Right? Now chapter 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. None of that is of the Father. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig, tree, fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Wow. The minute they died spiritually... They were trying to cover up what they felt was an inadequacy. Verse 8 of chapter 3. So they're spiritually dead now, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. So now, instead of moving towards God, now they're moving away from God. They're trying to hide from God. I wonder how many people you know that are your fruit that are still trying to hide from God. Right? But God will use your life and use your mouth and he'll use circumstances. He'll, he'll orchestrate if you'll take the time and pray for them so that they can come to know him. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Think of how crazy that is. They know God is the creator of all things. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And yet their spiritual death is crazy. They're trying to hide from him behind a tree. Are you kidding me? Right? But, but, but can't you relate to that? When you get in the flesh, have you done really stupid things? Said stupid things, done stupid things. Pain hits your back. Oh, man, my back is killing me. You don't want your back to kill you. That came right out of your flesh, right? That's, that didn't come out of your spirit. Look at this. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said to him, where are you? In the Hebrew, it should be more accurately translated, why are you where you are? In other words, God said, Adam, why did you choose to leave me? Why did you choose that? Verse 10, and he said... I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. So now we're going to see something for the first time that is the center and core 
of a lot of people's mess. This is the first time we have record of fear. Do you know you don't have a spirit of fear, but the nature of your flesh will lead you into fear if you let it, right? I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. So he fell from faith to fear. He fell from righteousness to unrighteousness. In other words, now he was consumed with a sin consciousness. Sin consciousness, it destroys faith. Right? It causes spiritual failure. A sin consciousness. Being aware of sin and not aware of being righteous. It gives a person a sense of inferiority. I'm just not good enough. I don't deserve. God can't love me. I've messed up one too many times. A sin consciousness, it opens the door to fear, which opens the door for Satan to operate. A sin consciousness enables sickness and disease to become the master of a person's life. Listen, just because you have an attack of the enemy physically, there's a difference. You are still the master of that situation. But if you don't know you're righteous and you get a sin consciousness, you'll start to start to play the game. Well, you know, maybe I just, this is still there and gosh, maybe I'm just not praying enough or maybe I, you know, I kicked the cat three days ago and, you know, literally this, this kills people. And they start to make their faith all about them. How many of us are susceptible? How many of you have been in a Word of Faith church for 10 years? Okay, 20 years? Okay, keep your hand. If, if, when I say a number and, it, and you, you're not there long enough, then you can put your hand down. 30 years? Wow, look at few, few, the hands are starting to go down. 40 years? I just made that one. So 40 years, I'm looking around. Okay, Jeannie, Jeanette, me, wow. You know, uh, yeah, well, you're not even that old. Have you always been? Wow, okay, you're like my wife. My wife literally was saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost at two and a half years old. That's Micah's age. So, see, we really could be susceptible because we've been in this a long time and we could treat it as common. And we could really get self-centered and make our faith about us. It's all about me. Have you ever had the Lord come to you? He's done this to me. Tony, why are you micromanaging your faith? Because I, I know so many little facts about faith that you could start to get 25,000 balls in the air. And, you know, I need to do this. And, and, oh, my gosh, you know, I preached the other day, and I did not one time grab my two fingers or three fingers and walk like this. Because, you know, you got to walk like Brother Hagen, Or maybe, you know, I mean, he, when he got older, uh, you know, I, gotta, I mean, I've seen elite athlete guys that got born again and went to Rama that are walking like they're 90 years old or 80 years old. No, that doesn't make you spiritual. 
right? When you're not aware of your righteousness, you will become very aware of your circumstances. There is no middle ground here. And you will become, if you, if you now are aware of your circumstances, pretty soon you will start to become dependent on your circumstances. It'll go from sickness attacking my body to I am sick. I am this. It's my identity now. No, how do you keep from that? You keep your eyes on the Lord and you let the Holy Spirit do all the heavy lifting for you. How many of you have had God do something for you and when it happened, you're like, I, I wasn't really even thinking about that or believing for that, but man, I sure need that. Has that ever happened to anybody? Let me see your hand. Isn't that amazing when God does that? That's, that's amazing. Do you know right now as you're sitting here, do you know how many of us are hitting on all cylinders and know everything we ever need to know to overcome everything we'll ever face? None of us. But you know, if I'm a one in an area, he'll be a 99. If I'm a 99, then he'll be a one. Do you know, man, I've had victory in areas where it's like defeat, 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 and then victory. And I'm looking at that going, and, and you realize, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And you realize, oh my gosh, I got victory in that. I didn't even, I didn't even know it. I kind of forgot about it. I got so used to that. But I was seeking him, and he just took care of it. So in other words, I was a zero, but he was a hundred. He told Abraham, listen, I'm your ever-increasing benefit. Everything changed for Abraham. We should talk about Abraham's life. I mean, it's amazing what God did in his life. He comes to him. Abram's an idol worshiper, but he listens to God. At one point, when, when God comes down and he says, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Their sin's so great. Abraham is starting to, he's, he's negotiating with God. Well, what if there's this many? What if... But you know, years later, so then we fast forward, he's 100 years old, he has a son. Now, years later, Isaac's 15 years old, and God comes to him and says, okay, I want you to take your only son, Isaac, I want you to go up on a mountain, and I want you to offer him to me. And do you know, Abraham did not negotiate anymore. Because in one of the eight times that God met with Abraham, right before he had, a, about a year before he had a baby, literally God said, Abraham, is anything too hard for me? And everything changed for Abraham. He was fully persuaded, Romans says, that what God says he was able to perform. Fully persuaded. It's amazing. You know, Abraham kept having kids till he was 122 years old. We don't even realize that. But could you imagine, take your son and he gets up early the next morning and goes. He's learned, see, as you walk in authority, you will learn. The more authority you walk in, the more obedience to the word you walk in. It all gets back to the obedience of the word. 
he was obedient. Yes, sir. And he was fully persuaded. Could you imagine what he was doing? His son is 15 years old. Ah, Pastor Edmund, I think you and I were talking. I think I was talking to you about this. Can you imagine that conversation up that mountain? What do you think? What do you think? Because Isaac's 15, Abraham's 115. I'm sorry. If I, have a, if I have an earthly father that's 115 years old and he wants to slit my throat and put me on an altar and kill me, he probably will never catch me. <laughs> right? Physically, 115, 15, not really a comparison. So Isaac had to say, yes, Dad. So what do you think Abraham was talking to him about? Man, Isaac, let me tell you about this. You know, I was an idol worshiper. And God came to me. And he told me, I want you to leave all your security and I want you to go to a place and I'll make you rich. And in a very short period of time, Isaac, God made me rich. Then these kings, these five kings, they took Lot and his family. And man, I, took, I went to my servants. I had 314 of them. And I said, okay, guys, you know, here, you know I know you're the baker, but here's a, here's a sword we're going to go get our family back. And God, Isaac, you wouldn't, I mean, it's, it was amazing. God gave us the victory over five kings and we got everything back with just our staff. And just this and, and then how we had you. Listen, son, your mom couldn't have a child when she was younger and now she had a child. We were, our physical bodies were dead now look at me, man, we're, we're going on a three-day hike. We're going to walk up a mountain. I'm 115 years old, and that doesn't seem to bother me. Why? Because God has quickened my mortal body. Doesn't that sound like Romans 8, 11? And he's telling Isaac, and Isaac watched this growing up for 15 years. He watched his dad be obedient to God and serve him, not perfectly, Abraham wasn't perfect in everything, but God got him to that place. And then when he got to the mountain, you know, Isaac's like, well, hey, Dad, um, you know, we've, we've sacrificed sacrifices many, many times. But, we, you know, we have the wood, we have the knife, we have everything, but, but who's the sacrifice? And he said, well, son, God told me that I'm to sacrifice you. But don't worry. God will raise you back from the dead because God told me, no doubt, when he was, I mean, for three days, when he's walking during the day, hey, Isaac, guess what? See all this sand we're walking on? In you, if we could count the sand, we'll be able to count the seed that, you, that come from you. At night, have you ever been in the desert at night? Man, you see the dust of the Milky Way. You see everything. Every night, I bet he took Isaac outside for those three nights and said, look at the stars. Isaac, through you, there's going to come nations and people that you, if you can count the stars, you'll be able to count them. Isaac would go, wow. Then it came down to it. And Isaac looked at his dad and said, yeah, dad. This seems like an insurmountable situation. However, God said, so yes, laid on the altar, tie my hands. Wow. Think of, see, think of how hard that would be. You don't, 
you don't, you have to make that decision. Abraham had, had, Abraham had to make the decision that every one of you and I have to make. Will I put this word first? Will I believe this above everything that I see, everything that I feel, everything that I experience? Am I fully persuaded? Because I'm telling you, you have the Holy Spirit in you who will walk you into being fully persuaded. You are righteous. He wasn't even, he was, he was declared righteous by faith. We've been made righteous by faith. So Isaac does this. They're in, a, they're in a no way out situation. The knife is lifted. And then all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord speaks and says, now I know. Don't, don't sacrifice your son. Could you imagine? Then there's a ram caught in a thicket. They called that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. See, what they were, in a, they were in this situation. Could you imagine the thoughts that the enemy was trying? Because see, Satan knew God had cut covenant with this man. I got to mess this up. Where he, was, where he had Isaac on that altar, probably 300 feet to 300 yards away, 2,000 years later, Jesus would be hanging on a cross and God would be sacrificing his son. It's amazing. But Abraham made a decision to obey God. And God, see, while they were walking, what they didn't know is there was a ram walking. And he was just being led right up there. God had provided everything ahead of time. In your life, everything you need, everything you need, he's already provided. Don't believe what you see. Believe what he said. Because I'm telling you, the glory to glory, could you imagine? Could you imagine a 15-year-old, the conversation he was having down the mountain with his dad? Wow! Dad! You told me when God would talk to you eight different times and how amazing it was, but I heard that voice. He delivered us. That's amazing. God can do anything. Years later, Isaac is in a famine. God says, hey, don't, don't go to Egypt. Just stay here. I'll bless you. And he had a hundredfold return in a year of famine. Hallelujah. This is, this is authority. This is authority. If you're not aware of your righteousness, you'll be aware of your circumstances. And if you look at your circumstances too long, you will become dependent upon them. In other words, and here is why, you must be planted in the right church. You have to, what is the right church? Is it Faith Family Church? No, the right church is the one that God plants you in. Rama Bible Training College, I think, is the greatest Bible school on the planet if you are called to go there. God will put you, he blesses you in the land. Why do I say that? Because your environment will pull you down to the level of the environment or it will lift you up to the level of the environment. It's so important. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says this. You guys doing okay? I feel all excited and intense at the same time. 
But this is good stuff. This is life-changing stuff. The verdict is not out on your life that you're a failure, that it's never going to work out, that this sickness is not going to be good. And No, 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 the verdict's out already. You are victorious in this. Hebrews 2.14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. In other words, Jesus took upon himself flesh. Why? That through death he might destroy. I love the Hebrew word. It means to render useless. Satan, you are useless. To destroy him, and get ready, because you've read this and maybe you've never seen this word. Because I'm telling you, this three-letter word has excited me to the core. Look at this. That he might destroy him that had. Not has. He had it. He had the power of death, but he doesn't have the power of death today. Jesus came out of the grave in Matthew 28 and he said, listen, now all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. I have the keys of death and hell. Satan no longer has the power of death. He can't kill you. He can't kill things in your life. He's been rendered useless. You have authority in the name of Jesus. Boy, that'll preach, won't it? Who had the power of death, that is the devil. Verse 15, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This word bondage is the Greek word for slavery. The fear of death keeps people slaves. People say, man, I got a fear of heights. I've got a fear of flying. No, you don't. You have a fear of death. You don't fear getting in an airplane. You fear the airplane going down and hitting the ground about 400 miles an hour and what that does to you, right? And if you have fear of death, see, I don't fear sickness and disease. Nobody actually does. They're afraid of dying. And it brings people into slavery. But look at this now. Now look at this. We've been delivered from the fear of death. Never to be a slave again. You have nothing to fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Wow. Hallelujah. See, fear separates a person from God's provision. You should write that down. Fear separates a person from God's provision. God want, he's already provided it, but the person cannot walk in it because they're afraid. 
and it keeps people in bondage. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write sin, dash, death, dash, fear, dash, bondage, or you could write slavery there. You want to stay out of that progression. This is so, so very important. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a couple scriptures to you. Boy, I've got so many notes. You can imagine. I, I, I can't even tell you how many. Oh, my goodness. It's crazy. <laughs> Hallelujah. There we go. I will. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jesus operated in righteousness when he was on the earth. We're kind of coming down the hill to close now. He operated in righteousness. You see, God's word was functioning through Jesus, right? I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I see my father say or hear my father say. Look at what it says about what happened to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he, talking about God the Father, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. 1 John 4 verse 17 says this, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because, here's what I want you to see, as he is. How is he? Seated at the right hand of God. All authority been given to him. Guess where you're seated? You're with him. As he is, so are we in this world. Go back two chapters. 1 John chapter 2 in verse 6. It says, He that saith he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. We're to, we're to do the works of Jesus, Right? It says in Proverbs 28, verse 1, at the end of this verse, it says the righteous, and I'm sure the women are going to go, you better believe it. <laughs> Leanne's going to start vibrating right now. The righteous, Proverbs 28, 1, are bold, are bold as a lion. Right? Why? Because we're righteous and we have rights. What are some of our rights? Deliverance is my right. Healing is my right. Victory is my right. Answered prayer is my right. Favor is my right. Having no shame or condemnation is my right. Prosperity and increase is my right. Delegated authority in the name of Jesus over all principalities and powers and over all of Satan's ability is my right. The Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me and his whole ministry in my life is my right. Divine strength 
is my right as a righteous child of God. Wow. Why? Colossians 1.13. Because he's delivered us from the power, the delegated influence of darkness, and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. I've been removed from all that stuff. Romans 6.18, being made free from sin. We all became servants of righteousness, which is a good thing. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those which be in Christ Jesus. And forget the rest of that verse. It's not in the original manuscripts. It's in verse 4. It, it, it makes no sense there. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. This is saying that the law of sin and death could not be broken by behavior. You can't mess it up with wrong behavior. You're still a child of God. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus, where you and I are at, has made us free from the law of sin and death. I'm made free. It can't be in my life. And I've got to use my authority in the name of Jesus to enforce that victory. Satan, I am not moving. Having done all to stand, stand. See, this is how we live. Verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. See, it was weak through the flesh because we couldn't keep it. God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, literally it would read this way, and as a substitute for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus. All of my sin was condemned. Now sin has no dominion over me. Wow. So in Colossians chapter 2, in verse 13, it says, And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, he gave you life, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you and I which was contrary to us, and took it. This means removed it permanently. That word took it. It's the Greek word arrow. It removed it permanently. Out of the way, what did it do with it? It nailed it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities, spoiled, disarmed them, and threw away their weapons... Now they're trying to make new weapons. But no weapon formed against you will prosper. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In the Greek language it would read, triumphing over them through him. 
We triumph, we walk in triumph. That's the party after the victory. In him, because of him. So I'll leave you with this scripture. In closing, not fixing to close, we're closing. We're gonna pause for a little bit. Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, that's the freedom, wherewith Christ has made us, us free. Let me say that's right hath made us free. That's past tense. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Child of God, you're free. And I'm telling you, we're going to keep going in this. We're going to see some things. We're going to understand our authority. And the enemy not only is never going to steal from us again, he's got to bring everything back that he stole. While I'm on the earth. Amen.